wonder, how do you feel welcome? Every time we enter a space that already has other human beings in it, whether it's outside, in a building, or simply to a new group of people, we are greeted in some way. And each greeting is a little bit different. The way you are welcomed when you arrive home to your family is probably different from the way you were greeted at your workplace. The way we are welcomed by close friends may vary greatly from the way we're welcomed by strangers. At a store like Sam's Club, you are asked for a member ID card before you can come in, while at Walmart you're handed a smiley face sticker. And someone even once told me that one of the friendliest places on earth had to be the public library because everyone is given a membership card and they can't reject anyone. Isn't it interesting how we're welcomed into the different spaces in our world? In truth, there are so many different greetings we experience when we encounter one another. Greetings of superficial welcome or polite exchange. Greetings of rejection or even judgment. As well as greetings of compassionate welcome. So the question for us today is, how do we, as followers of Christ, welcome one another? If we explore the definition of welcome, we find many meanings. To receive someone into your home, take someone into your arms, or even receive as a guest. When we use it as a verb, welcome always requires hospitality of some sort towards another. And as we look closer, we discover that welcome is more than the instant reflex to the words thank you. Welcome is an act of compassion, and seeking to make another human being feel belonging in our presence. So how do we welcome people? Into the church? Into our lives? Do we practice welcome in a way that may only feel hospitable to people who are already members? Or is our practice of welcome inviting to all people, regardless of who they are, or where they're from. I'd like for us to keep these questions with us as we turn now to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 40 through 42. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these littlest ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our passage today 
concludes an extended conversation Jesus is having with his followers about discipleship and mission. Up until verse 40, Jesus is preparing those who are to be sent out in his name. He's warning the disciples about a difficult road ahead and the fact that they will be vulnerable to the people they encounter along the way. They are to bring no supplies of their own on their journey. Therefore, they're going to be dependent upon the generosity of others. When we come to this passage, Jesus is now shifting. He's now giving instructions to the people who will act as the host to these traveling disciples. Jesus tells the people gathered around him that they are responsible for welcoming the disciples into their homes. But he also goes a step beyond that. Not only are his followers asked to welcome these traveling disciples, the prophets and the righteous, but also the little ones. Or in other words, anyone who could possibly be left vulnerable by society. And why do this? Jesus says, because even when they welcome the littlest child, they welcome Christ himself into their midst. One scholar describes the scene like this. Jesus arrives and says, take that love that you have for family, that love you have for your closest community, and extend it. Extend it further and further still. Welcome the stranger. Welcome in the one whose life you hardly understand, not to change them, but simply because they are God's too. Jesus urges those who are listening to him to welcome. Because whether a prophet or a stranger shows up, he or she is a child of God. Because through the act of this hospitality, both the host and the guest can be rewarded with the presence of God through their connections with one another. Now we might ask ourselves what this welcome looks like today. The author of the Gospel of Matthew chose to include this command from Jesus in this writing. Therefore, it's also addressed to those of us who read it. But in a 21st century world where there are few traveling prophets to host directly, how do these instructions translate to us as we seek to welcome in downtown Richmond? Perhaps one place to begin is by letting go. When we make the decision to practice compassionate welcome, we also decide to let go of our expectations. After all, we can't easily stand with our arms open ready to welcome if those same arms are too busy holding up existing assumptions. We cannot expect the people to, that come to change and be just like us. We cannot expect people to follow the same unspoken rules we do, such as maybe sitting in the same pew every week. If we're hosting, truly hosting, we can't really expect anything of our guest. Welcome is a spiritual discipline because it isn't always easy. 
Every spiritual discipline requires practice. And when we practice genuine welcome, we do so without the expectation that anything will be returned to us. We can hope for a reward of experiencing new insights, hearing new stories of faith that might redirect our perceptions. We can hope that the witness of those we welcome will stir our theological imaginations so that we become new beings together. We can hope for all of these things, but we should not welcome solely on the expectation that we will always receive them. Love is not always met with love, but we are still called to give it. Another important piece of practicing welcome is repentance. We can ask ourselves, are there any behavioral patterns that we have that have grown so familiar that they blind us and get in the way of our welcome? Are there practices we have that actually turn people away or make them feel unwelcome? Part of hospitality is examination. Examining our own actions to see if there's anything we can change that might signal our willingness to embrace rather than reject. Repentance then asks us to think more about another person than we think about ourselves. And this is a way of life that moves us beyond any personal gain and leads us to a more loving consideration of the people around us. Compassion and care for all of God's children are the reasons that we are charged to welcome. In a world where conditions of oppression and violence calls people to cry out, How long, O Lord? Superficial hospitality is not enough. It's not enough to wave hello to someone who desperately needs to be held and embraced. If welcome literally means to take someone into your arms, then we are called to figure out how to do that. How do we embrace people who are told they're not allowed to be in our country because of where they're from? How do we welcome people who call God by other names and keep different religious practices than we do? How do we pull people into our arms when they've been traumatized by gun violence in this very city? How do we welcome people deemed unworthy for health care because they are labeled with pre-existing conditions? What does welcome look like when we disagree? When we disagree on politics and policies, how do we welcome the stranger? How do we welcome anyone not like us? Here at Second Presbyterian, we are having much of this conversation right now as we're discerning our building needs and our mission opportunities through the capital campaign. We're asking ourselves questions like how might we welcome the stranger who thirsts for Christ and the stranger who thirsts for a cold glass of water? How do we welcome those who seek a church home as well as those who seek a safe place to use the bathroom? What does welcome look like for a lifelong member born and raised here 
as well as those who are walking through our doors for the very first time. I know these are not new questions for most of us, but if we approach them beginning with Christ's command to welcome, then perhaps a new light will be shed on these questions, and they'll lead us to faithful answers. I wonder what made you first feel welcome here. Take a moment and think about it. What first welcomed you to this congregation? What first made you feel like you belong? Perhaps it was worship. Perhaps you walked in the doors and you heard the beautiful music, the liturgy, the preaching, the prayers that we share with one another. Perhaps it was the people you encountered when you first arrived. People who opened the doors for you and introduced themselves. Someone to show you where to go in the building or how to find the coffee. Or maybe it was one of the many mission and service opportunities here at Second Pres. If you volunteered at any one of them, walk-in, caritas, assisting families of inmates, maybe you were invited to participate with your own gifts and because you were able to give something in return, you felt that you belonged here. You felt at home. What was it that first welcomed you to this place? These questions are questions I keep and I ponder frequently in my role as campus minister for UKirk at VCU. One of my goals is to make every single student that shows up feel welcome and belonging. So I continue to ask myself and work with my advisory board to figure out how in the world we welcome students. How do I welcome students from campus all the way down here where we are? How do I literally welcome them into the building on Thursday nights when we need to keep the doors locked for security purposes? How do I make the space we meet in feel like they belong in it, even though our space could change from semester to semester? What does welcome look like for a student who's away from home for the first time and figuring out a new community? And how can we, as a congregation, continue to welcome these students when students show up on Thursday nights and most of us show up on Sunday mornings and our paths may never cross? Friends, as we continue to explore what welcome means for us here in this place, we might encounter more questions than answers for the time being. But often getting their questions right is a more faithful place to start than jumping to conclusions. It's my hope that as we continue our ministry here downtown together, that we might look for ways to welcome the stranger and the vulnerable. And as we do so, remembering that the welcome that is needed could change from day to day, after all, we do not only welcome one time in one way. It's an ongoing spiritual practice that we are always examining. But the good news is this. When we are welcomed by God, we do not have to check IDs or member cards at the door. 
God welcomes us with a smile, with endless grace, mercy, and a hospitality that knows no bounds. And that is the kind of welcome we are called to extend to others. I'll leave you with the words of William Gottler, a dean at Yale Divinity School, who says this about our call to Christian welcome. Jesus insists that although we pretend otherwise, we are not the gatekeepers of the community of God. Our work is to welcome and to offer embrace when embrace is invited and to give a cup of cool water on a hot summer day. Friends, may it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, you are host to us all. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have shown us what compassionate welcome truly looks like. As we respond to your hospitality, guide us to show that same welcome to all of your children, prophet and tiny child alike. Amen.